So this week, you better know, I blew my muffin cap back blue. Like, I, I don't think there is anyone that I have read up on in recent time that it just made me go, what? Um, yeah, I, let's just get right into this shit. So this week, you better know, is of a woman by the name of Solitude. She was a slave um, born around 1771. She died in 1802. And long story short, it was a revolution that she led on the enslaved plantation in Santa Domingue, now Haiti. Um, clearly, I'm bringing up Haiti for a really great reason, my guest. Um, but yeah, in August 1791, France was forced to legally abolish slavery in the colonies. Um, and then in 1802, Napoleon's forces sought to resurrect the sugar-based economies in Santa Domingue, uh, Guadalupe, and other French holdings in the Caribbean by re-enslaving re freed people who had been living as free French citizens for eight years. Bitch, you are tripping. Um, so Africans and their descendants, they definitely resisted French forces and unsuccessfully in Guadalupe. So even though little is known about her early life, she's celebrated as a heroine in this area for her role that led to lasting freedom. She joined the settlement of Lagoyave in the mid-1790s, and then during a French attack by French General Desfino, she became the leader of a small group that escaped to Guadalupe, and then in May on May 5th, 1802, when French ships arrived to the islands, basically they just started battling. She was like, we all sick of this shit, it's not about to happen, and we have been free for eight years, we already have been free mentally, we are going to stay our black asses free. Now, mind you, Solitude by this time was pregnant. She mobilized her followers to join the forces of Louis Delgrez against the French army. And even though they struggled being outnumbered, um, basically... It was 500 troops allowed the French soldiers to advance into their territory before igniting stores of gunpowder. So they were just like, oh, no, bitch, we're going to trick y'all to think it's sweet when it's really not. Um, the strategic suicide plan resulted in the death of approximately 400 French soldiers. Though most of the Maroons died, Solitude survived and was captured and detained at the base Tierra prison. The military uh, brought Solitude and her other survivors before military tribunal. She's still pregnant, mind you, and they sentenced everybody to death. She was temporarily pardoned, though, until she gave birth to her child, who became the legal property of her owner. What type of sick shit is this? So one day after delivering her baby on November 28, 1802, Solitude was executed. She was 30. I turned 30 in what less no not less than a month I turned 30 in a month or a little bit over a month I can't this makes my mind hurt um the reason why it was like just so mind-boggling why I had never heard of her is because she disappeared from the annual history of course because who would want to celebrate a black revolutionary woman who had stood up against French forces and the fact that y'all really tried to put us back in chains like that just blows my mind what type of insane shit is that um 
she basically wasn't found again until the 1960s. And then now her name adorns squares, avenues, library, and there's a museum room in Guadalupe. Um, and she definitely is remembered as being the badass revolutionary that she deserves to be. Um, my hat's off to that sister. And, and I don't give me freedom or give me death. Like I'm just, there's no other option. I'm either going to be free uh, in my mind and then free from my body but regardless I will be free and that's the type of mentality that we all need to have um, what a badass Haitian black woman so moving right along I cannot wait to introduce my guest so here we go with the next part of Joy Has Questions All right, everybody, what's up? It's your girl Joy Has Questions coming to you on another Sunday afternoon. I'm super excited for the guests that I have. I'm, you know, I'm getting fancy with it, y'all. You know, my cousin has a whole bunch of buttons and knobs and, you know, all this electrical equipment. So my guest is actually coming from out of the good old NYC. It's the middle of Fashion Week. So for him to take time to speak to me, I'm super appreciative. Um, he is a super, super dope young man definitely uh top I should say in terms of like my IG connections always spreading positivity um his clothes be popping he just seems like a really really down-to-earth individual so I have my guest for the day who is a sales exec um for a top sports um entertainment brand I should say so I have Joe's Frage how are you love hey Joe thank you for having me on the show that was a no no it's nothing it's all up thank you so much for taking time to do this um we just gonna jump right into it like i feel like we always you know have you know great vibes whenever we talk and just be talking shit to each other anyway so i'm like this is just gonna be like the regular um getting right into it so according to ig now, I know everybody has basically been up in arms about 21 Savage being, you know, or potentially being deported. I, I do not know how this now has somehow gotten to involve Chris Brown and Offset and like this war of the words. But did you see like them having an issue in regards to like, you know, Chris, I think he laughed at a meme about 21 Savage that was put up or maybe he posted a meme. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that, and I was, like, trying to find out what the problem was, what the issue was, and I was trying to dig into it. But, yeah, like you said, Chris um, posted it or commented about a, a funny meme, according to him, about 21, and Offset wanted to, like, defend him. But, you know, I was, I'm thinking about it, like, that's fine. You're supposed to defend your friend if you think it's disrespectful, but then you have to defend him against everybody else. I think Tommy Lauren made jokes about it. Demi Lovato made jokes about it too. They thought it was funny. So, if you're gonna be 21's defense lawyer, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of people to go against, not just Chris Brown. But I get where Offset's coming from. Maybe Chris should have, but it's his you know opinion. If he wants to laugh or make jokes about something, that's that's up to him to do. But yeah, I was a little confused about it. I didn't really know too much about what was going on besides that. And the thing for me. Yeah, and I, I think even with me looking at it, I was, you know, looking at it from multiple perspectives. Like, number one, we're in a meme culture. Like, people were memeing the hell out of Offset when it was looking like Cardi was about to divorce him or leave him. Um, 
completely it wasn't okay when Chris Brown, and I remember when he had his multiple run-ins with the law, the situation that popped it off with him and Rihanna, and people were memeing that situation. So these are both young men that have been on the other side of what it's like to, almost like I should say, be a mean victim, but when someone's talking shit about them. So I found it interesting that this was like, the basis for their argument. I think the biggest piece I kind of looked at it was like, this is a dreamer situation, which is the very thing that like 45 has been, you know, trying to, you know, not exacerbate, but he's basically been trying to take advantage of, you know, oh, immigrants and they're problematic and they bring drugs and crime to the country. And I find it interesting that like, We come up in arms, and it's true, when it's something that personally affects us. Because when it's been the narrative of, oh, we need to keep, you know, Mexicans or, you know, these caravans out the southern border of the United States of America, I haven't heard, like, the 21 Savages or Chris Brown or Offset say anything. But now here's a friend of theirs that could be potentially affected, and now they're just like, oh, no, we need to do something about this. It's not funny. So it's kind of just like, be careful what you, you know, you speak on or what rather what you don't speak on. Because it could very well be somebody that you love that's affected by it. Exactly. And then going to act Chris Brown is not going to help 21 Savage, you know, not get deported. Like, I think Jay-Z hired a whole legal team to help research the case and try to help him instead of, you know, going at people and making jokes about it, you know, try to help him out in another way if you really care about it. But everybody has their own way of you know, showing support and showing love to, you know, people they care about. But I didn't even think of it from that. No, I was just saying, I didn't even think of it from that perspective. You actually just made a, a bomb-ass point. Like, you all are both multi-millionaires. Pull your money together and figure out a way to help this brother instead of, you know, trying to figure out whose is bigger. Like, this isn't, like, a, a, a ego competition. Oh, let me drop a pen. You know where I stay at. Like, is this an episode of... of a basketball wise, or is this like crazy. two grown ass niggas, you know, with whole ass careers? Um, but that was just something that I, I just couldn't even, you know, fathom. I was like, this is really what we beefing on 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 this weekday. But even outside of that, like you had the twenty one savage situation. I find it. You said earlier that you you know you're out there for fashion week and how you went to your, one of your friends' shows. Um, the whole Gucci controversy and even Montclair is coming under heat again for their blackface um, fashions. How does that, I think, you know, when it comes to like black people, we we stay fresh, we drip, we saucy. New York has its own swag, you know. How do you think it's, it's more so it affects us as a community when there's events that happen? It's like black people put so much money into Gucci and then they come out with a blackface shirt, so... Why are we still putting money into Gucci? You know, I, I don't. I don't know. I guess everybody looks at it different. Um, sometimes um, your clothes and and the, your jewelry, the cars, all those things that you buy um, is is like trophies or a way to celebrate um, your success. That's what a lot of people say they are. You know, when they buy those expensive things, and then <clears throat> when it comes to those situations where you know. People are asking to boycott because they disrespected, you know, your culture, your your race, your identity. It's, uh, you know, difficult for the people who actually live that lifestyle, you know what I mean? So, but a lot of them are the ones who are starting, you know, and just 
putting out there to the public and sharing that, um, you know, the the disrespect or the disapproval of what they did. But hopefully it lasts. A lot of times we just um, get mad for the moment and then and then it goes away, it evaporates. You know, just like I think you talked to me about the Super Bowl. We were mad at the NFL, but they celebrate the festivities. So uh, let me know what you think. Is it okay to celebrate the festivities around it? I'm going back to fashion. Can you go to the fashion show and, and you know, and, and celebrate the festivities but not support Gucci? Can you go to the Super Bowl parties but not support the NFL? I don't know if it goes together or not. Um, but that's the, you know, that's the catch between the two. I think, well, first off, look, you try to ask me questions, interview me. I was like, I looked at the mic yeah, like, wait, I wait. Is this... answer it. I'm trying to find no 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 you good I think and this I say this all the time when it comes to being black in America um if we really or not even just black in America but just a person in in this society as a person of color if we really rioted over everything that is problematic we would be left with lift every voice and saying and uh in a, a piece of chicken it's like we we wouldn't have anything there's so many things that are problematic and that don't benefit us as a community or as a people i just find it even if we can't attack every little thing you know i just find it so disheartening when it's like we can't even have some type of resiliency for the big things like we love bringing up you know oh rosa parks didn't give up her seat or you know, the the food strike that happened, whatever the, you know, these iconic situations are. But we never want to look into like the time and the organization and the cooperation that it took for them to be successful. The Montgomery boycott took a year, over a year, over a year of this business consistently year over year losing revenue before they were like, fine, we will desegregate the buses for you Negroes, literally. And that's the thing, like, Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick has not been signed since, what, what, going on two, three years. There's an open collusion case against the NFL. And for everyone that when I'm with Cap until it comes time for me to get in this VIP section with Mr. Papers. I'm with Cap until it's time for me to go to this GQ party sponsored by the NFL. And I understand you got a bag and you got to secure it. But I find that it's really interesting when it's done by people who are already wealthy. So it's not a matter that you're you're scared you won't be rich if you don't go to this party. And it's also not a thing that you can't maintain your wealth. All the people got financial advisors. I think it's just really interesting. Like, what would still make you go support this entity when you won't lose anything if you don't support it? Or it's like T.I. wants to join Spike Lee with with the whole Gucci boycott and not even trying to, you know, bring him up at all to be disrespectful. But I'm like, but your wife was hosting a, or attending and maybe even you yourself was at a lot of those Super Bowl parties. So I'm just like, or you have Meek Mills with prison reform, but then you turn around and it's like I'm giving championship chains to the owner of of the Patriots. Who, I mean, and you can actually speak to this better than I can. If you got the type of dough to be buying it, no one buys a sports team out of necessity. You already super rich by the time you, like, that's a play thing for you at that point. So that's that's just my takeaway. It's like, I don't understand how you can support, 
you know, these power constructs, but then want to say, oh, you need to respect us. Because trust and believe, just because it's not right, these are the very things that like other people take and they look, they're like, we shouldn't take them seriously. They don't take themselves seriously. So True. It's fucked up. It's oh, just, yeah. It's enough. It's just something that I just sit there and go like, this is why I eat kale and mind my business. Like, because if I took up every cause, every situation, y'all would have to call a 5017 on me. Like, I'd be in a straitjacket. I can't. Like, I can only do so much. Um, but no, I think that's another big thing. Like, with you in, in the position that you're in, would you find it, like, you know, conflicting if it's like, like, the NFL is one thing. But I'm like... There are other industries that that could, you know, potentially affect you. Like, that would be difficult if your day role is like, look, I still have a family. I still have my own goals and aspirations. And then it's like, I can't imagine being black in any in any level, like, working for the NFL right now. It must be stressful as shit. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, ways, of, there's ways around it. Um, meaning, when I say that, like, even though that's a job that pays your bills, if you're an NFL player, um, I'm not NFL black. I'm just speaking from my point of view, but that pays your bills, it supports your family. You can still support what you believe in or, or you know, find your way to protest. And if not protest, fund um, projects or organizations who support the initiative that Kaepernick is trying to accomplish, you know? So you're not going to, you don't have to sacrifice your life for the, you know, you're not a civil rights leader, right? You're just you're number seven who plays for this team. So you could find different ways to do that if you're if you're you know player who's just you know you didn't ask to to protest. You didn't you didn't you didn't work all your life and practice um, just so that you know you have to give up your contract just just for reform. You know, you don't have to take that position if you don't want to. It's your own um, decision. So I don't look at the other players who don't protest who, you know, don't kneel any other way because that's what they work for. Now, you're in a position where you can still, on the outside, when you're not on the field, um, you can still do things to help support the cause if it's something you believe in. So it's a, it's, there's different ways around it, too, um, that you could go about it. I completely agree with that. I mean, I think you have to do, you know, what's in your... I agree with doing, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone. But I think also you have to learn, like, you know, that's a calculated risk. And you are only that person can determine what that calculation looks like, you know. Um, and I think I think a, an excellent example of somebody, I just love him so much. Marshawn Lynch is the blueprint. We don't give him enough credit. Like, for him, with beast mode and just, you know, completely being that person that was like, I'm not dealing with gentrification in Oakland. I'm buying up whole blocks, whole communities. You're going to respect us. You're not about to come in here and take my neighborhood. Like, I think that to me is a man that's really demonstrating what it's like to have black equity, you know, outside of the fact of like, oh, we should all be equal and let's sing Kumbaya. He's like, no, fuck that. Like, let me actively use my money, my resources, my influence to empower the hood. And that, I love shit like that. Like, that to me is like, Marshawn is a is one of one. There's not too many people like Marshawn. He's just going. Marshawn, he does. Yeah, he what he wants. You gotta respect it too. Exactly. Oh, man. oh wait, do you know him or like you just you've dealt with him before? 
say again? No, I said, do you know him or have you like dealt with him before? Have you worked with him? Oh no, just just from seeing, um, you know, his accent, reading about him. But no, I never know. But just you know, you know how he how he moves, the way he carries himself. Like he's not flashy or anything like that. But he on his own. He stands up for what he believes in. You know. Exactly, and I love how he's like, I don't care if you're offended by it. Like, it's the truth. Get over it. So, I'm like, you better tell it like it is. Go ahead. I think the last thing I had wanted to just even comment um, with you really quickly um, was the fact that outside of, like, 21 Savage and then the other issue with, you know, the NFL and the Super Bowl, Bow Wow and Kiyomi. This young man makes my head hurt. Like... At first, I was, you know, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't even going to comment on the situation just because I'm like, I'm tired. Like, I feel like every other week he doing something in the news. But I found it interesting just to see how everyone, the stance that everyone was taking um, when it was revealed how he looked, um, you know, and the scars. Like, he literally looked like a character from The Lion King. Like, scars on his face. He clearly looked like he had gotten the worst of the beating. Um, but then it also came out how, like, the video, TMZ dropped it of how he was, like, being really aggressive up in her face. I don't know if he snatched a cell phone or he snatched something out of her hand. Um, and then on top of it, it was, like, two other guys just standing right there as if nothing. That's, that to me was what took me out the most. I'm, like, even outside of, like the situation of of their argument which wasn't cool it was just more so the fact of like how can you stand idly by as that's going on like what was your first reaction to that video to the video um the video showed a whole different side from the mugshot so the mugshot when you see it you come up with your own um idea of what happened like damn Wow, I got hurt, right? Right. <laughs> and when you see the video, I mean, we weren't there. I don't know what they're saying. I don't know the history, the context behind it, the video. But just from watching the elevator scene, it's like, it's like it seems as if he's he's mad. He's instigating the whole situation. You know, to be he wasn't. You know, he's going out of phase. He's you know, I think he his jacket off. I'm and like, whoa. So when they got out the elevator, like he knew. It wasn't over. It's, you know, it's more to go from there. So the video just showed a lot. Um, it gave the mugshot more, more, you know, context or it, it described, um, they helped you describe what happened a lot, a lot more than, you know, just the mugshot. But the video, yeah, it changed the whole narrative after that. There were people who were like, hey, um, support Bow Wow, you know, Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing where it was just like, um, we all have, we know of people who have had like those type of relationships of, of domestic violence. And even still, I just found it interesting, like the stance of everyone, you know, and it was true. If it had been the other way around and she would have looked like that, he would have been up under the jail. Like, he probably still wouldn't have bail right now. I just find it... It was disheartening, but I think it also speaks back to, like, how much we need to really work on, like, as a community, our anger management process and emotions, how we deal with one another. Because that situation... That was bananas. Like, for her to, to, you know, 
especially like as a woman, because I think that's another thing. It wasn't just him standing there. She in the elevator with three other guys. And I'm like, I don't know who, if they going to tag team. Like, you, you don't know what that situation looks like. I just find it like, you know, the environment, if you aren't, I should, well, at least for my example, if you don't have the right team around you or if you don't have people that really will like encourage you to do better, it is so easy to get caught up in situations like that. Um, and this isn't just something like, oh, it messes up their brand or his brand or her brand. It's like, this is something that's like dangerous because I'm like, people really can get hurt as we clearly saw. Um, I just think it's just a more trash like that there was people around that didn't defuse the situation. Like, who the fuck is on your team? Like, I just, I can stand there and see something like that happen and be like, oh, it's okay. They can work it out. Yeah, well, in the elevator, nothing really happened. It was just Bow Wow, you know, acting crazy. But <clears throat> those guys, at least, you know, tried to defuse it. But it was just, they probably seen it before. They probably thought it was nothing. It was just him arguing with this girl. But then it led to something worse. So now they're like, you know, it's even worse now. Exactly. I'm just like, well, sir, I'm like, you, <laughs> you got a lot going on. So we just going to leave that be. Um, but but why do we, I know you, uh, you're supposed to answer the question. But no, no, go ahead. Why, <laughs> why, why is it um, that um, because it's a celebrity, um, the outrage is, is crazier when your next door neighbor might have been going through the same thing or, um, you know, I think, what was his name? Ray Rice, the elevator where he kicked his door. Oh, like, yeah. That. that happened probably last week, you know, somewhere in Chicago or in the Bronx, but because of the celebrity, we're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. This has been going on for years. I bet I bet celebrities, who, you know, celebrity couples had those same type of issues, but now that we have social media, we get to laugh at it and make news about it. But, you know, I'm not surprised when I see those things, you know. It's it's not good. I'm not saying it's it's okay. But, you know, it's just another news story that we're gonna get over in two, three months. So all of these are like moments I, I call it Instagram moment, you know, so Instagram is like like uh it's another T V for us. So it's all it's all entertaining moments. But it seems like a fake outrage or just another meme or another joke when it should really be taken serious, not just for celebrities. But, you know, the person next door to you, so. And that, no, and that's true. Like, you know, I I don't know what your upbringing was necessarily. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But it's like, I grew up in the hood. Like, I saw this all the time. Like, I literally, yeah, I was in a two-parent household. But I'm like, right below my windowsill, you know, from my vantage point on the porch, I literally saw pimps smacking up hoes. I saw... You know, people in relationships, like, cursing each other out, throwing bottles at each other. Like, that just type of rage and violence against one another. So, that is definitely something that I, you know, I think about that a lot just in terms of, like, what we accept in the community. Or it's like, oh, it's just, this is unacceptable for this young lady to be going through this. I'm like, but that's your cousin or your niece that show up to the holiday party all the time. And it's like, and she with that, that nigga that you know isn't necessarily doing right by her. Or... That's, you know, same thing. And it can be the boy cousin in the family that is just like, man, like he's going through it. And it is that code of silence of just like, oh, stay out of the people's business. But I'm like, that's not the situation necessarily to do that in. You know, um, yes, everyone should mind the business that pays them. But if you see something that's wrong that can potentially hurt someone, then, yeah, you need to, to take a stand 
I don't care if it's a celebrity. I don't care if it's, to be honest, even more so when it's something in your own world, in your own backyard. So in that case, we on the same page. Look at the giving me keys, making me think about things. I was like, go ahead. But um, in that case, just going to wrap up in the So According to IG part. I just needed something lighthearted this week. But it seemed like everything was just like one serious story after the other. Well, I do not know what you all will be drinking come cupping season 2019 that is currently upon us. But for those long, lonely winter nights where he lied and said he was coming over and he did not. Make sure that you have Cavassier VSOP to ease the pain. It kept us posted in the summertime, and it'll definitely be here for the wintertime with that smooth, velvety taste that we all love. So make sure whatever you are drinking, that it is Cavassier VSOP. And now back to Joy Has Questions. Um, So actually, just moving into the next section, and we're just going to jump right into it, which is, so I have a question. Um... Like I said, every time I've, you know, ever seen you or your page, you always got some event that you're going to or hosting or getting invited to. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm just trying to get like Joe's when I get grown. Um, So first and foremost, like, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like, where are you from? How'd you grow up? Like, I, I need to know, like, basically, how did you turn into like this all around like player from the Himalayas? Like, what, like, what helped develop this? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> um, um, well, about me, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, of course, grew up in a Haitian household. Um, you know, my mother, my grandmother raised me, um, in Brooklyn, Flatbush, to be exact. Um, and went to, you know, to school up the regular neighborhood that you know of. Um, high school, went to John Dewey. I did one year in in Oregon. I did my sophomore year of high school in Oregon. In Oregon? Yeah, in the suburbs of Oregon. My, my aunt lives out there. My two cousins. So I went from going to... Haitians live out in Oregon? Like... Yeah, my was I was in. I I went to Oregon once. I was literally searching, combing the streets for black people. <laughs> like I was like high right. and low. <laughs> you might go to Portland. So I was like an hour outside of um, Portland. And yeah, it was majority. I went to I went from a basically majority black school to majority all white school. I think there was like five black kids in the school, and two of them were my cousins. And <laughs> I got to learn a lot about the world of just seeing something different. You know, sometimes when I exposed to something different, you're just going through the same patterns, seeing the same things. But my experience at the school, to be honest, I learned more that one year at that school than I did. No, not saying John Dewey didn't. My high school didn't teach me anything, but they had more resources. They had everything. So, um, to, I put it this way: I went from a school, a, a, a school where you know school bus picks you up. Um, you know your lunch is amazing. The teachers care. The teachers have you have your own personal computer. And then I come back to Brooklyn, and I'm walking through metal detectors. Right. So yeah. that just showed you how. The world is big, the world is, you know, different. There's more there's more out there than just what you're seeing. So, um, that just encouraged me to just like, you know, um, write out my future, plan out my future, it's not just what you see. And then from high school went to like went to college. I went to like four different colleges, which is crazy. It's all in under Wow. Um, 
I went to one school, then got kicked out because I got bad advice, and I went to another college, and then finally graduated from McEvers um, College in Brooklyn. And um, but during that time, I was able to get new connections, relationships, um, and I think relationships are the most important thing to be successful. Sometimes it's worth more than money, you know. It's like oh, your network is your net worth. Yeah, definitely. And then going to sports from internship, learn about sports, didn't know anything about it. I just thought it was players and, and coaches and a trainer, right, in the team. But there's more to it um, in, in the administrative side and the sales side and the marketing side. And, and then from there, just kept working. And then it led me to other connections and entertainment and, and meeting different people and just being exposed to different industries. And then just, I'm still trying to find my lane, still trying to find, you know, my passion, but it, it, it all of it took time, and it just that was the road that I took. No, that definitely makes sense, and I mean, actually, a similar story. And I know a lot of people that was like, "Look, it was not a straight path. I didn't just have like one school, and then I was done." Um, so, just even in terms of like learning more about the industry and the fact of how like how vast the sports industry is like were you always as passionate about sports were you this passionate about your community like how did you get involved in like the back end or like figuring out a way to combine you know those two aspects uh, I guess of yourself in order to make like the or to I guess create the current role you have I got so when I got into the role that I'm in now like sport if you look at it culturally like sports and entertainment you know, there exists music and sports, exists fashion and sports, exists. so all of it came together um, in its own, and I get to utilize it in doing different types of events. So I be I may be working with a fashion designer and doing an event with them. I may be working with a, a, a business person or a real estate person or someone who's working in tech or a musician, um, and it all comes around sports. Um, sports is like the focal point, but... It, it reflects in different industries too, which is the cool part about doing different types of events that attract casual fans who may not be interested in sports, but you may find something that they're interested in and bringing it together and bringing both worlds together. So that's the cool part. And you see that a lot, you, you know, talk about the Super Bowl where, you know, the main thing, it wasn't about who's playing, who's going to win. Um, it was like, that was the backstory though. What everybody was talking about was who's performing, yeah. you know, who's the artist, who's the musician that's going to be there, what type of commercial are going to happen. So um, sports, you know, and, and culture and music and entertainment go together. So I, I get to bring all of those um, aspects together, all those factors together, I should say. No, that de- I mean, definitely can't even imagine. Like, you always look like you were on the go. Like, I'm like, I don't know when he breathes. Um so you even spoke on the fact of like, you know, you were raised by your mom and your grandmother and then even that, that year that you spent in Oregon with your aunt. So um, yeah. as, you know, a Haitian, you know, black man in this country, like, how would you define like that personal experience? Because I think a lot of times like it's that presumption, like you see somebody and it's like, oh, OK, well, he's just black, you know, and it's there's so many different aspects of blackness. And then also like. Not only that, but you're from New York. That's an entirely different swag than, like, Chicago or L.A. or um, the Bay, wherever, you know, uh, you can be from. So how would you define, like, your personal experience and how has that, like, shaped you? How has that shaped me? Well, growing up in Haitian, I just, I just 
spoke on a documentary about that called Influence, shout out to Scripps and Luke. And we were talking about how um, Haitians in America, like the 90s, 2000s, we were looked down upon. Um, I don't know where the jokes came from, where the narrative came from, but we were like, you know, seen as, you know, the people to pick on and people had jokes. So that helped us become more united um, because, you know, everybody was against us, so we had to team up. And then we became, um, you know, we had to team up and basically help each other out to overcome those those stereotypes and, and jokes. So that made us stronger, you know. And in addition to that, Haiti has, Haitians have a, a sense of pride just from our history, just being the first independent nation um, and then just going through those types of adversities. So we have a pride within ourselves and our history. And because of the, you know, stereotypes we had to go through growing up in those times, uh, it just made us work harder. It just made us want to strive for better. And now we're like, I mean, Asians everywhere. I'm finding out, I'm learning about new people who are doing great things who are also Haitian too. So that helped, that helped shape me and um, just, you know, striving for better and working harder just to, overcome those stereotypes that we had to grow up with um, in our community. No, that definitely makes sense. And even when I think to, like, certain stereotypes with Haitians, I think the, or was it Jamaicans, like, Number one, I always saw, like, Haitians and Jamaicans, like, lumped into the kind of, like, that same boat of, like, oh, y'all killers, y'all assassins, you drug dealers, like, y'all come in and fuck up everything. So, it, it was that, uh, even amongst, like, the African diaspora, it, it's sad to say, but it's, like, it's it's almost like this hierarchy, you know, if right. you will, even amongst ourselves. And that's something that it's, like, it's complete bullshit, because I'm, like, that that takes away from from the exchange of that collaborative spirit of how we all need each other in order to make something and to survive yeah. in this country, you know? Um, yeah, and now Africa, everybody's going to visit Africa. I think I, there's something called Afrochella I just learned about. Oh, um, yeah, Afrochella is lit. I heard about that. Yeah. But before, it was all jokes, like, you know, your African booty scratcher or just came off the boat or look at how you speak, you know? Those are jokes, but now, you know, people are more educated about it and, you know, they're showing love, they're showing respect. I, I can't wait to go out there to Nigeria, Ghana, and, and I can visit those countries. So um, it was the same way, you know, and, and we just changed the perception of ourselves. So it helped us, you know, strive for better. No, totally, totally agree. So when it even comes to like yourself and how busy you are, uh, you know, you constantly are on the move. But is there anything like on the flip side that like maybe my listeners wouldn't even readily think about if they went on your page? Because we know how IG or how social media is. No one's ever really putting out their struggles when it's just like not necessarily going well. I even heard you say earlier, you were just like, you know, um, still in the space of like figuring it out. So how do you specifically handle like, those insecurities or those moments of doubt when it's like on the flip side, like you, you are and are still are developing as a businessman. Um, how do you handle those securities? Oh yeah. I, I asked mean, real we, questions. Course, we all, we, you know, Instagram is just a magazine, you know, it's, it's everybody's TV show. So you want to edit it, you want to show the highlights, you're going to show the trailers, the good parts of it. You're mm-hmm. not going to show, you know, the bloopers or, scenes that you cut and stuff like that so you know that's everybody everybody has their struggles and it is about pointing them out you know so 
And then once you point them out for yourself internally, you could work on fixing it, you know. And um, for me, I, I don't know, I guess it'll be, I guess, fear of doing new things, taking risks. Um, and, 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 you know, every, nobody wants to be embarrassed. So, but at the same time, you got to be able to jump, sometimes jump out the window. You, you may think you're going to fall, but you never know, you might fly. So it's just about being open and, and, and living for you, just doing what you feel is right. You never know, you might have a whole mass of people who feel the same way, but if you never put it out there, it's just you alone and, and, you know, holding back. Um, so just pointing out, what you think you, you lack, if it's, um, for me, public speaking, I'm working on it, or if it's just, um, you know, being able to be more focused and procrastination. So point out those faults, those flaws that you have, you know, write it down, um, and write steps to work on it to make yourself better it is the only way to do it. I don't think you could have said that even better, like, in the sense of, like, having that accountability, you know, um, so even when you're talking about your brand and you had brought that up, I was like, okay, Subway. Um, but looking at your brand and this fact of like, yeah, Instagram is like that trailer and people get the highlights of the glimpse of when things are going well. But how do you see yourself developing as a businessman or to see yourself um, developing some of those goals or defining some of those goals? Like where do you see yourself staying in sports entertainment? Are you trying to, you know, be your own version of like a Haitian Diddy? Like where, where do you see yourself taking this? I mean, I'm I'm trying to get ahead of the trend. So I, I I told myself like when I when I'm 50, I want to be preparing myself now and doing things now to prepare myself because it's a long it's a long life, right? Instagram's mm-hmm. not gonna last forever. You keep mentioning that, but it's not gonna last forever. So you gotta be ahead of the curve, be ahead of of what's going on, so that you can always be on top. Um, and as far as I'm still trying to see what, what lane I'm going to, different businesses, techies emerging, different industries, um, you know, real estate, of course, and all those different types of things. I'm just trying to see what's, what I could, you know, what's going to happen 10 years from now and then just start doing that now. So 10 years later, I'm on to the next 10. And the 10 after that, I'm on to the next 10. So just trying to stay a step ahead of, of everything going on, look past trends and see what's the next trend and, and just being on top of everything. I don't know if that answers your question, but... No, no. It definitely was one of those, like, I'm trying to make this money and hustle and in as many different industries and pots as I can. So, no, that definitely made sense, love. Um, So, even looking in terms of, like, yeah, there's the branded side, but I just, I have to know, like, how do you balance, like, the branded aspect of yourself when it comes to, like, dating or, you know, taking time for yourself. Like, men need self-care, too. Um, or, you know, spending time with your family, spending time with friends. Like, how do you know make that all work for you? You know, you got to balance it. You could try to bring everything into one world as much as you can, you know. So, um, but it's it's a balance that's important and I'm still um, figuring it out. But it's priorities, you know. You gotta make time for yourself. It's, it, it's to make sure you, you you know take vacations or or I'm on for me. I'm on the phone all day. So um, the last thing I want to do when I get home is to be on the phone and, and and calling and checking up on this person or you know how this person is doing. Because I was on the phone for like a good eight hours and when I get home, that's the last thing I want to do. Is dial another number. So. Um, but you gotta find a way because if not, you're just gonna go crazy. And 
it can't be work, work, work. You gotta prioritize your week, your, your month, your calendar, um, throughout the day, so that you can be productive. You know, if you don't have that um, rest or relaxation, you're not gonna be able to be productive at the work that you do. Too, you gotta be able to smile, laugh, and see the world in order to bring that to your to your job or whatever that you do for work. So it's important. I haven't figured out perfectly yet, but family time is definitely important. Um, and, and, and just balancing that out is going to be helpful for your health too, you know, your health also. I think that's the biggest thing, like, especially like as millennials, we constantly in go, go, go mode. And then you look up and it's like, okay, we need you to chill. You know, like it's important to take that, that time out for yourself. Like I'm, I'm all about, you know, hustling and getting my piece of the pie. But my girl just sent me a link yesterday for grits and biscuits. I'm like, I'm in that bitch. Cause I'm like, I need to let my hair down, have a moment with my friends. Like that's important as well. So definitely feel you on, on the self care train. Um, but lastly, wrapping it up in this amazing interview, I definitely just want to know, is there anything or if there was anything that you, you know, would want your legacy to be or if someone goes like, yo, Joe's phrase was bomb as fuck and here's why. Like, what would you want them to say about you? What would you want that to be? You said my legacy is... Well, yeah, your legacy. Yeah. Like, like what what is the thing, like, you would want everyone to know about you past, like, the sports industry, you know, or... You know, the, I won't use Instagram because you definitely caught that out, but um, past like, you know, just social media or that presence or you as an influencer, what, what's the legacy you want to leave? Basically, anything is possible if you, if you focus on it. Um, a lot of times, we, we all have the potential to do any and everything. It's more so perseverance and focus. And, and also just to be an example for the next Jones who's from Brooklyn and Flatbush was coming up. You know, sometimes it's not always about you. Sometimes you're laying a path to somebody else. That's probably your, your, your life's purpose, too. You know, you, you could be the spark. You may not be able to change the world, but you could be the spark. Not to be all preachy and philosophical, but, you know, just be the best of you and be a good example um, so that another person could be the best of them. So we all help each other out. So my legacy, I mean, it's just, it's just to um, achieve my dreams and goals and, and show that people, other people could do it too if I was No, that's definitely what's up. I, first and foremost, again, just want to thank you so much for coming on my show today. Thank you, Joy. Oh, no. Wow, <laughs> You're welcome, love. Um, Definitely in terms of, of, you know, just the whole process and everything with your flexibility. Um, it definitely is not something that I've taken for granted. When I come to uh, New York, okay. I definitely, you owe me a steak or something. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. like I, I'm like, I need to go to the hood and I need some oxtails. Let's do this now. <laughs> so, but no, love, yeah. um. Definitely go back to, to being a boss and having fun in New York Fashion Week. Um, I'm about to wrap things up anyway, but thank you so much for coming on the show today. You too. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. So my motivational message is enjoy the small moments. And you know what? helped me to really appreciate that. Yesterday, I went to an amazing art show. 
the collective uh, art money actually got to see some bomb ass works from J.A. Metcalf, Angelica London, um, aka Color Me Delta, uh, everyone, Aston, who I believe this young man, he is one of the founders of this collective. Like, it was just a black ass, amazing experience. The space was so bomb. Um, even also that Friday night, the day before I had gone to Biscuits and Jam, my girls Erica, Ashley, Kelsey fucking killed it. Super proud of them. Like that event was like this whole weekend for me has just been like celebrating blackness, being in those spaces with one another, fellowshipping, no hate, just all love and positivity. And even better. Last night, I got to spend time with my favorite person, my cousin Jazz, and even though I had an amazing night all weekend long, and we looked cute, and we did our things, you know, separate and together, we bo- the best time I had was getting ready, running around the house, being like, should I wear this? Should I wear that? Ooh, this is a cute picture. Girl, why are you listening to Danny DeCane? How didn't you know Rick Ross is that old? Like, just random shit, and... <laughs> And even we came home having a full-on collapse of, like, bitch, we're old. Like, it's 12.30. I'm exhausted. How do we do this in younger years? And I must say, enjoying those small moments, standing there with her and being looking at each other like, no, girl, this is a code for business owners. <laughs> like, just, just stupid shit. But it's that that when it gets really hard, when you are stressed out, whether it be your day job or a side hustle or a passion project, You will look back on those people, those moments, whether it's, you know, bumping into a stranger and knowing he ain't going to shoot you because you stepped on their J's or, you know, just being like, hey, my bad. And it's nothing but compliments and and black excellence and pride and positivity. Those small moments turn into lasting impressions and it makes everything so worth it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this weekend. I can't wait to see even more of the events that are happening within this city of bonding with one another. I I could not have asked for a better week. Um, So thank you to everyone who helped make it possible. I guess just super short and sweet. You have got to enjoy those small moments. They matter. Yeah. That is pretty much it. I hope everyone has an amazing week. Uh, thanks again to my bomb-ass guest for, you know, stepping out of literally his drip. Like, he is traveling around for New York fashion. We're having a good time. And he was like, no, I'm going to do this show with you. Um, and we settled on this time. So that's when I'm going to do it. I-, I love shit like that. I love when people are consistent and accountable. And it really, really does not go um, unnoticed. Also... As I am rounding out the show, I just want to send all my love, all my hugs, all my kisses, all my positive vibes and spirit to my amazing Aunt Vita Marie Weathers. Um, Love you, love you to life. Miss you always. Um, I know by the time this airs, your birthday will have passed. But yes, just wanted to send you an amazing happy birthday. You are loved, you are honored, and you are remembered. So I know your party in heaven is cracking. That being said, your girl is about to go lay down with this heating pad because my uterus is trying to Floyd Mayweathered my whole entire life, and I just can't. Um, But yes, love you guys and talk to you later. Bye!